Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm your host, Christy Graham. And in our last episode, we shared a devotion from Dr. Kent Brantley, who fought the deadly disease in 2014 with Ebola. And like Kent, we have someone today that has experienced great loss and great suffering. We've been wanting to introduce you to our podcast team for a while. And with so much uncertainty and isolation caused by COVID-19, one of our team members was the perfect person to share their story. Today, I wanna introduce you to Robinson Strickland, who is our audio engineer for the podcast. He works tirelessly to produce each episode and I make them as great as they are, and we're grateful to have him on our team. But he's also someone that has lived a very hard and challenging life, but yet God-honoring. He went from working at NPR in New York City to being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and is now disabled at home. We brought him on today because he knows what it's like to live a life of isolation and suffering. And now that we're living with the impacts of COVID-19, a lot of us are home and feeling isolated and like we're suffering. So what better person to challenge us today to walk in God's truth through these times? Here's my conversation with Robinson. So we have been wanting to have all of our team on here. You know, we had Caitlin a long time ago, but we've been wanting to introduce our audience to our podcast team. And we thought no better time than right now to introduce Robinson. Um, So Robinson, I was wondering if you could tell us about your story um, and when you were diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and how that has impacted your life. Well, I was diagnosed in 2001. It was after 9-11. And um, we were living like a few blocks down from the Twin Towers. Wow. And you could see them when, when I would go outside and go to work. You'd see them. And um, after that happened, the air there was horrible. It just mm-hmm. smelled terrible. It was a very strange um, feeling. And um, I started, I was going to work. It was, I think it was July of 2001 or it was some, I forget the dates exactly. But it was, yeah, it was, it was September. And I... When I was walking outside, I noticed my vision. I started to get double vision, and my it looked like I had lazy eye. My mm-hmm. eyes um, were they basically wouldn't move where I wanted them to move. Mm-hmm. I had lost controls of my lost control of my eyes, and then um, it I was in a recording session, and my eyes. My vision got so bad, I started bumping into things, and they stopped the recording session and said, we need to go to the hospital, you know, something's wrong. And you know how it is, you push through, you say, it'll be okay, maybe, uh, you know, maybe I'm sleepy or something. And I've always been that way. I don't go to the doctor unless a bone pokes out or something like that. And so went to the hospital, and they did an MRI, and then diagnosed me with multiple sclerosis, and I, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea, never thought about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I've heard of that before on the TV commercials and that kind of thing, and um, so that's when I was diagnosed. So you found out pretty quickly um, your diagnosis, but obviously your symptoms didn't all hit at once, correct? Right, and, uh, but looking back, I remember my wife, Melissa, was reading off the computer. We looked it, we Googled it, and mm-hmm. she looked it up, and I was like, oh, yeah, that explains this and explains that. 
like my, you know, um, just pain and mm. other symptoms, um, motor ability. I noticed when I was on the mixing console, my hands started shaking really badly. And mm. the producer goes, are you okay? And I said, I guess so. You know, and it, it was very, uh, very minimal symptoms at that point that mm. you wouldn't think but uh, that you would go to the doctor for it. Right. And then when, my eye, when I lost my eyesight, it got so bad, I was basically blind. I went, it attacked my, <clears throat> my optic nerve and um, it affected my vision. And um, a, a few weeks before that, I got a severe headache. It was the worst headache I've ever had. It was, and it was attacking the hippocampus in my brain, mm -hmm. which is covered with myelin. Myelin is the, the covers the nerves it, and it protects it. And that's where the signals go from the brain to the body. And so it had basically on the MRI, it just lit up. It was just, you could see it had damaged it really mm -hmm. badly. Wow, so how long was your vision gone or impacted? Um, it was for about uh, five or six days. Wow. And, and then I went to the hospital. They um, injected me with a high level like steroids and that, that calmed it down. And I remember I woke up the day after they had done the steroids and I felt fine. I stood up, you know, I could tell my vision was getting clear again. And I just remember going, is this what normal feels like? Because mm -hmm. if you've been slowly getting sick, mm -hmm. you don't, you don't, you just think it's you and you need to sleep more, you need to eat differently and that kind of thing. And so um, I remember that morning just feeling what I considered was normal. I felt really good because I hadn't, because it just comes on so slowly, you just push through it. Mm -hmm. And um, then I was like, and my neurologist was saying, yeah, this is your, it's calmed your, the inflammation in your nervous, in your nervous system has calmed it down. Wow. And so as, as Robinson said, you know, he is usually, you're usually in the background. You are our audio engineer for our podcast team. So you're not used to being the one talking and in the spotlight. So I appreciate you turning the tables to share with us because kind of like how you discovered this. I mean, now looking back, you said you could see symptoms prior, but this was a very overnight diagnosis, you know, and here you are, you know, and that's, I feel like we are kind of with that here with the coronavirus, you know, it's like it hit us very fast. We couldn't prepare for this. Um, and so our situation is nothing like what you faced, but I wanted to bring you on here because the whole world has been impacted by this virus. Um, we don't even know. We don't know what our what it's going to be like. You know, we try to figure out the diagnosis or what's going to come, but it's kind of a day to day thing here too. And so, can you talk to me about? Here you are in New York City. You have a great career. You know, you're working at NPR. You're very busy and successful. And almost overnight, you get this diagnosis. What did that do to you? And what did that do to Melissa? Well, it was um, at first. I was like, you know, I, I continued working after okay. I got treated because I, I didn't want to, you don't, it's, it's that thing you're saying to yourself, you know, do I leave this job that I love? Mm -hmm. And it was just, you don't think that, you don't go there. I was just like, I'm not going to go there. But then it got, it started to get really bad. The fatigue 
is just MS fatigue is an overwhelming fatigue um, that you, you can't function anymore. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But what happens is with MS is if you push through and you continue to keep physically just drinking a bunch of coffee and pushing through, uh, this is the way it is for, was for me, is my, my a nervous system shuts down. It just literally throws the off switch. And I went into the newsroom, and I was walking there. I remember I just started to, and I kind of blacked out, almost like just shut down. I was like, and I said to the people there, I said, something's really wrong. I'm not, I'm not feeling well. I can't go on any further. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing about it, um, even last year, last January, when I was <clears throat> in the hospital, um, you can hear everything around you. You can't respond to it physically. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can see. It's hard to keep your eyes open. But you can hear everyone around you. And you'd hear people saying, is he okay? Don't wake him up. Um, don't. And, and I would just, with all my being, okay, I'm okay. I'm in here. I'm okay. I just can't move. And then I just stop again because it takes so much effort to speak and move and it's easier just to go completely limp and uh, in fact Melissa had to explain that to our kids last year when I did go in the hospital it was a real bad attack and um, my daughter got very upset and she mm-hmm. and I said I said I'm okay I'm in here I just can't move well daddy will be okay and it's not a fatal illness. It's not mm-hmm. critical that it would, you know, you die from it. But mm-hmm. to a young child, it looks pretty scary to see their mm-hmm. father like that. Mm-hmm. Was that what? Did I answer your question? Yeah, I guess I guess I was just wondering, and I'm sure it came in phases, um, yeah. as you like you said, as your body, you know, because it was a slow progression, I, I mm-hmm. imagine. But yeah. yeah, how did you take that um, diagnosis? You know, knowing this would change your your future. Um, was it was it a daily thing, or was it a one day? You know, the the, the interesting interesting thing about it was, <clears throat> I realized that the way I was feeling was normal. Um, it was not normal, but. There's a reason I feel that way. I could now see who the mm-hmm. enemy was, and I mm-hmm. could go, oh, that's why I feel like that. That's when that mm-hmm. happens. And suddenly, mm-hmm. and I, I met other people there in New York, went to a group of other people with MS, and I felt normal again. And I used to think, I hope people aren't this tired or this mm-hmm. confused, because when my brain gets inflamed, I, I have a hard time thinking. And um, I have my my thoughts are scattered, and um, but it was it was almost like I realized then this this is normal for me. It's okay hmm. to be this way hmm. because I used so to just almost- struggle and push through it. And then my neurologist said when I went in and because I used to could do all these concert halls and I'd climb way up into the ceiling and hang microphones. And I remember he was like this, uh, he was like this Russian doctor and he goes, not anymore. <laughs> and I thought, oh boy, well, hmm. that was a scary yeah. um, answer to hear. Mm-hmm. And so then I went to my, my boss, the chief engineer there and said, you know, I'm having trouble. I can't do this anymore. I ex- and that's scary to go to work and say I have a, chronic mm-hmm. illness mm-hmm. 
and um, and the people there were very kind and accommodating, and I uh, started working in news, doing news shows, like Morning Edition and all those kind of shows. And so I thought, oh, I can do this. I can do this. But it, it continued to get worse. Mm -hmm. and, and I still, it was only a few years ago that I really started to deal with the idea of a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. That's the, um, the scariest thing about it is this, unless there's a cure, this is only going to get worse. It's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. And, and um, it's like if every time you got the cold, you retained 10% of those symptoms. So mm -hmm. 10, after you get the cold 10 times, it feels like you have the cold all the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's just like you, you retain some of each. The remitting relapsing MS is kind of a misleading mm -hmm. term. It kind of sounds like you get better for a while and you get sick again. It doesn't work like that. It's a slow step okay. down progression. And as I'm getting older now, it's kind of a downward sine wave. It just sort of, mm -hmm. it's not as obvious. It just sort of flows downward. Mm -hmm. But the chronic part is the part that um, has been the most difficult thing and that this is not going to go away. It's going to mm -hmm. just get worse. Mm -hmm. And um, that was that was the hardest uh, thing to deal with. And then a few years ago, as it's now, I don't ever feel what I would consider myself feeling normal, like normal people feel. I'm always feeling the illness now, mm -hmm. um, all the time. I'm aware of it all the time. I don't think about it all the time, but it reminds me in the morning, every time I wake up, it's there. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes sure to let me know that it is present. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so I wanted to ask, because I feel like that's, uh, you know, I'm sick of talking about the coronavirus, but it's like, yeah. we have to, we have to, because that's where we are. And it's kind of like what you said. It almost is helpful to just say, this is where we are. Stay home. You know, I think we've all accepted that now. Um, and like you said, it was almost freeing to know this is what this is. You know, it's not just me or, um, so that's kind of where we are with our country. Okay, we know how severe the coronavirus is. Everybody's staying home. You know, we're not going to school. I think we've kind of accepted that. But like you said, the chronic, and for us, we don't know how long this is gonna be, but there is a loss. Um, and so I, I, if you don't mind talking, um, and I want people listening to know, we have all lost something, you know, through COVID-19. You know, we've lost either our freedom or the chance to go to school, to go to work. You know, a lot of us are staying home. Um, some have lost high, you know, family members. They've lost their job. They've lost their business. You know, some are way greater. But at some point, we have to accept that loss that and grieve that. Um, when did you do that or how did you do that um, with your chronic illness? Well, there was, I went through the stages of like probably if you lost a loved one because mm -hmm. you've lost part of yourself and you're not yes. going to get it back. So I, at first I started, you know, sadness mm -hmm. and anger and why me, why, you know, why that kind of stuff. And, um, and that still comes around sometimes, mm -hmm. but it was, um, it, was, it, it was very, very difficult. And you do have to grieve and you have to allow yourself to grieve and um, don't be hard on yourself that um, you've lost something. Um, uh, you have to move forward. And with my faith in Christ, you cannot 
um, one thing I don't allow myself is to what if, what is this going to be like? Will I be of any use to my family? Can I take care of my children? I don't allow myself to go there because it's pointless. You know, um, as Scripture says, you, you know, uh, you can't change one hair on your head, black or white. You know, you don't know what's going to happen more, and you can't do that. So why do that? I, mm -hmm. but you can grieve and say I've lost something, mm -hmm. and I turn to the Psalms a lot because it's about there's a lot in there about grieving and loss and pain and being pressed down, and um, and it's being so. Um, I love the psalmists in there that they're so honest with God. God's not afraid of hearing it, God, I'm angry right now. Why? I'm, I'm hurt. Oh, I lost this. This is never going to be the same again. He's not afraid of those questions. He's like a father sitting in the living room. You go to him, you say, Dad, I'm, I'm hurting. Um, I feel crushed. I feel, you know, broken down. And he puts his glasses down and his book down and he listens to you and he talks to you. And I find that he talks to me quite often in Psalms. I have a lot of scriptures that I go to in Psalms. I find that very comforting, particularly in the morning, which is the hardest time for me is in the morning. And that's what I do. A lot of times I'll just go into Psalms. I'll have some that I usually go to, but just reading it means a lot to me. And um, dealing with the anger, you're gonna get angry, you're gonna get sad, you're gonna cry, you're gonna be emotional. And it's okay to do that. You have to allow yourself to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, so that leads me into what I was going to ask. How has this changed your faith and grown you closer to the Lord? Because I know yeah. it has. Yeah. At first it was, um, I, I, you know, it was the feeling that the anger and, and feeling angry with God, why, why, what good is this going to do now that I'm broken down, that I can't move, that I don't have any stamina, that I can't think the way I used to? What good is this going to do? All those kind of questions. And I find in the worst times when I'm now that I've been in the darkest times where I feel the most lonely is I feel and recognize his presence now. He's very close and real to me mm -hmm. when I'm in those times. Mm -hmm. And um, I love the, um, the scripture about um, hiding in the shelter of his wings in his tent. Mm -hmm. I love those, those verses because that's what I do. So God, I'm going to hide right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, I ball up and I just become completely aware of him holding me, protecting me, covering me. And um, and uh, that's uh, that's uh, what I do is, and sometimes you just feel so bad. You don't feel like, I don't feel like praying right now. I don't mm -hmm. wanna pray right now. Don't ever listen to that. S mm -hmm. Just start, and one thing I do um, when I when I'm feel overwhelmed by my losses is I intentionally start praising God for the things that I that he's blessed me with. I thank him for my wife, my children, my home, my car worked today. I've got food in the refrigerator. I thank him for all those things. Um, I can still see now my vision, most of my visions come back. I just start thanking him. And I feel um, those losses be pushed away. Um, they just, uh, I suddenly feel wealthy 
with mm-hmm. the things that I do have and where I'm blessed, where I am, everything. I just start mm-hmm. listing them off mm-hmm. and, and thanking and praising God for them. It's, it's encouraging to hear you say that because I've been, you know, with the kids home these last two weeks, you know, I've been trying to teeter between, you know, seeing the blessings we do have, you know, but then allowing them to cry and grieve, you know, they miss their friends, they miss leaving the house. Um, so living in that balance, um, I guess I would say. And I'm glad that you said that because one of my favorite books is Calm Anxious Heart by Linda Dillo. And she says, two women were looking through prison bars and one saw mud and the other saw stars. You know, and she, it's a whole paragraph about contentment. And it's like, yeah, we, even in the hard times, um, and I think, yeah, you know, just like Paul did, you know, most of his writings were in prison. They were through mm-hmm. bars, you yeah. know, but he was able to, and my favorite is Philippians 4, you know, that says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Um, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about it, ever, anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You know, and he goes on to talk about whatever you've learned, um, you, you've received, think about these things. And he says in verse 12, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. You did, you, so you have learned that. Do, that is you true. You do learn that. It is true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. And at the earlier parts of my illness, those things almost kind of like, oh, I'm not feeling that. But I, I know that now. That mm. the, uh, there's a, you know, the hard one is um, the, um, re, um, the, I think it's James who said, um, you know, rejoice, don't, yeah, that's it. That's the when one. When you face trials because it is persevering. Yeah. And so in my mind, what I do with that is this considerate joy. I, and sometimes I go, God, I trust him. Consider this joy. I'm uh, learning to trust him. I've learned to trust him in this. That's so one thing I've gained that I would not have gained if my life had mm. been, if I'd been healthy my whole life. I wouldn't have learned these things. And I treasure the things I have learned in this illness because I, I, I like who I am mm. now better than when I was completely healthy. I learned so much and it was so hard. The the waters and the the water and the fire, it will come. But I always remember God has his hand on the thermostat and he has the he has his he has his hand on the level of the water. He will not let you be overwhelmed and I found that to be true. And I go, God, I trust you. The water's coming up. It's getting really hot in here, but I trust mm. you. God loves our trust and trusting in him. I look all through scriptures about mm-hmm. uh, when trust me, turn to me and trust me. And I do, I trust mm-hmm. him now because he's never let me down. And um, so I know that he's in charge. He will only let it get this high. He will only let it get this far. But there's a, there's a point where he, even like with Job, he says, do not, I won't let you go beyond this point. Mm-hmm. Satan, you're not going beyond this point. God will not let that happen to you. He knows exactly how high it's going to get. And it's to learn something, to learn, it's learning to trust him and a blessings will come through those things. People in their life right now who are, who are in doubt and afraid, God's turn to him, trust him. He's going to deliver you into something different. He's got something better for you through this if you trust him and turn to him always. 
we wouldn't have had our children. Our, Melissa and I were married 17 years. They said we'd never have children. We moved to Blowing Rock, and suddenly Caleb was born. So uh, looking back now, I go, he never lets down. Great things happen because of what happened, because mm -hmm. of this illness. I know. I'm glad that you said it on here because you had told me that before, that you like yourself better now you know, than you did mm -hmm. prior. And it's, it's, it's remarkable that someone can say, God, thank you for this. You know, uh, you wouldn't have chosen this, this route, um, but for you to be able to say, I like who I am, I'm a better father, I'm a better husband, um, you know, I'm closer with the Lord than I would have been is remarkable. And that's why I wanted you on here because, you know, I've been through some trials, but nothing that holds, you know, a comparison. So sometimes when my kids ask me and Hannah actually asked, you know, why, why, are we, why are we suffering like this? If God can take this disease away, you know, why is he allowing us to go through this? And it's hard to answer that, you know? And sometimes we don't know because his ways are, are not our ways and or our ways are not his ways. And we don't know what he's doing, but we know he's with us. And I think of Joseph when I, I was explaining that to her, you know, it said many times throughout Genesis, even in prison, it said, God was with him. You know, he didn't change his circumstance. He was in prison for what, 12 years, but God was with him. You know, it doesn't mean he removes you from that hard time, but he does carry you through it. And so to hear you say that and um, someone that has, has been in a hard place for a long time, to be able to say that, that God is refining you, he is with you, he is for you, is really encouraging, Robinson. It's like um, I, say, uh, um, I, I often ask him in the worst times when I'm in a lot of pain, I, I say, this is awful. God, I'm struggling, you know, um, um, lift. And also even in those times that you lift this, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed. You'll feel him. It might not happen in 20 minutes. It might not happen in a day. But whenever it's right, he's going, he will lift you up. And I, say, I pray to him. Don't let me miss the lesson that I'm supposed to be learning in this because I'm not getting it. Give me wisdom. And as it says in James, you ask for wisdom, he'll give you wisdom. That's a promise. All God's promises are yes in Christ. And he will answer and give you wisdom in that. And you will pay attention. Um, pray, pray that prayer. So God, um, don't let me miss the, the pearl of wisdom you're trying to give me here in this mm -hmm in this suffering, um, I want to see it. And he will reveal it to you. He's always revealed it to me. Like these things I'm saying to you are come through um, those types of trials. I love that. That's such a good question. Anytime you're facing, I know we have a friend that was blinded in Iraq and he says, you know, he obviously struggled and was depressed for a little while after waking up. But once God captured his heart, he said, instead of asking God why, he asks him what? You know, mm -hmm. what do you want me to do? What do you want to do with my life? What do you want to use in this purpose? And I, I love that, but I love what you said. Don't miss the lesson in the small things and in the big things. But right. I think right. sometimes for me, the smaller things are harder, you know, especially mm -hmm. these day-to-days, the long days with the kids being home. It's like, what is the lesson in this? And sometimes, mm -hmm. unfortunately, we have to learn it many times. <laughs> and yeah, so, right, exactly. And he will, um, answer, he will answer that. He will answer that, I promise you. But, but be aware, be looking for him in this. Help, help me to see you today in this struggle. And he will, and, and then know and trust, just, just know, I'm just telling you from experience, just know he's going to answer. Just believe that, mm -hmm. trust him. You're, I know you're going to answer. I'm just leaving it over there with you, Lord. I know you're going to answer that. And he will, I promise you. 
I love that, that expectance you have. Um, and that's why I think you know God deeper than many of us ever will, you know, because you have walked with him through the hard times and seen him. And I think you have a more expectant faith um, because you have cling to him in those hard times. So can you give us some practical, okay, so small, small steps, like we're really struggling today with being home and being isolated. You know what it's like to be isolated, you know, because for us, we're all going through it together, but you are isolated by yourself. You know, your friends were going on with their careers, your family, you kind of went through this by yourself. So on a day-to-day, when you're struggling with being isolated or by yourself, what do you do? Well, um, I have to try to make sure I don't watch too much YouTube or news. (laughs) One thing I did two days ago is I turn off my news notifications. I, Mm. I don't need to know those things all the time. Yes. That's yes. one thing I did. And every morning, no matter what I feel like, um, I do a devotion. I love the mm-hmm. Bible app, um, version. I love that. There's great um, devotions for anything you're going through. They're fantastic. And I make sure I do one of those every day. I read the Psalms and I pray, no matter how long it is. Some days you're going to feel so strong. You hear the kids waking up and everything starts to move. At least try to get a few minutes in there. Don't start your day without the Lord. Do it every day. Um, and then, then at the end of the day, thank Him for when you saw Him present or felt His presence. Um, the days I miss, if I don't do that, I, 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 um, I regret that because um, I think I did not uh, do a devotion or I didn't pray this morning. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do the longer the better, but and sometimes he's very silent. But um, expect him to just know he's present, and expect him to be present. He's listening to you, and uh, he will show up. He's he hears you, and I love one of the ones that um, one, is one scripture that just really gets me is in um, we've all heard this the um, it's in Revelation. Um, it starts in Psalm 2. This is in Psalm 56, verse 8. You've kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? So every little thing, you know, from a hangnail to I've lost my job, mm-hmm. turning and tossing at night, he keeps count of your tossings and puts, his, puts your tears in a bottle and they're written in his book. He's aware of every single small to big struggle that you're dealing with. He, 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 he knows them. And then in, um, in, uh, in Revelation, um, let me see where it is. So I'm glad that you said that about being thankful because I've been trying to do Ann Voskamp's 1,000 Gifts devotion. And, you know, she starts by saying, you know, the beginning, you know, the fall of Adam and Eve, you know, really began with ungratefulness and not being thankful, you know, because they looked at the one thing they couldn't have, you know, instead of the million, you know, the hundreds of other things that they could have, you know, and so that, that starts, that thanklessness starts that in us, you know, so she talks about that in Genesis, but then she talks about it too in Romans, um, and it says, Romans 1 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, our fall is always first a failure to give thanks. And I'm glad you said that because someone that's really, you know, suffered 
um, for you to be able to say that, that being thankful, and you can always find something to be thankful, um, and you're right. And for you to say that is actually, it was really humbling to me because yesterday I actually was like, there's really nothing to be thankful for. You know, the kids were fighting, stuff was just not going right. You're, I feel like I'm just trying to manage too much, but you're right. There's always something to be thankful for. And I think when I'm not expectant or looking for God to show up, that starts the, the ungratefulness in my heart. You know, but if I am looking for things like each day, God, what are you going to do today? And I, you're on the lookout. Yeah, um, right, right. And then at the end of the day, look for those things. Okay, what did he do? Um, so I think that's awesome because I think thankfulness can combat our hard. Right. In a way like nothing else. I like that because like, I remember like, you know, in the Old Testament when, when the Israelites were struggling and God sent them manna and they started complaining, this doesn't taste good. I want something else to eat. I don't want to, I've been that way many times and I try not to be that way, you know. I don't have, mm -hmm. you know, cornflakes today, but I do have this. God gave me this. God gives you everything uh, you need. And, and it's not always, you know, uh, overflowing, but mm -hmm. there's, or what there's you always want, something. But it's what you need. He'll give you every, he, mm -hmm. he, he mm -hmm. will, I promise with all my being, he will get you everything you need. He knows your mm -hmm. need and he will, he will get you everything you need. And that verse I was talking about in um, Revelation, it's in 7, 17 and 21, 4, but you know, you've heard this before. He will wipe, wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain. Um, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes in Revelation 7, 17. And the way I visualize that, it's very touching, is that if you have children and you take your, God will take your face in his hands and wipe away every tear, every struggle that you even forgot about. He, you know, he, keeps mm -hmm. he keeps count of all those things. He's aware of all of them. He'll wipe away every one of those things you've dealt with in life. And that's a long ways off. But I know that this suffering has a shelf life. I know God in the end, many uh, verses are going to come true that I'm going to be um, healed of this and I'm going to have you know, a, a new uh, glorified body in the kingdom of God. And this, this has a shelf life. I'm but a, a vapor. This is, seems so long to me, but it's going to go away. And I, I hang and I cling to that. I know that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. you know? It probably makes you, uh, yeah, more reminded that this is not our home. You know, you are right. more yeah. eternally focused than anyone I know. Um, and Yeah, that's a great way to be in, in these times. It just mm -hmm. know it's, it's going to come to an end. It will end. This, we know this, this illness and this, um, this coronavirus is going to end. It will come to mm -hmm. an end. Cling in there. Use it as a time to get closer to the Lord, uh, mm -hmm. to learn from it. Don't miss something he's trying to tell you in this. And then at the end of it, when he brings you through it, you may come out of the end of it without a job or mm. he, all those things. God's going to get you everything you need. He will be there. And at the end of it, praise him for the things that he has given you in that. Um, mm. Because don't, don't focus on I lost this, I lost that, I lost that other thing. That will drive you crazy. Just... Mm -hmm. Focus on the things that he did give you. He'll give you manna. He'll he'll give you he'll give you clothing. He'll give you know, what will we eat? What will we wear? 
all, all those things, as Christ said, he knows you need these things and he will give them to you. Look at the lilies of the field. They're not clothed. Solomon wasn't clothed as one of these. And, and mm-hmm. if he, and if he, Jesus was saying, if, if though these things are the sparrows, they're not mm-hmm. worth near as much as you are. And he, he, he's going to uh, take care of you because you're more important to him. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said that because I, I do. I feel like for us and this virus, there, there, it will end. It, it will, will be gone yeah. one day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might be two, three months, but right. it will end. But for you, this hasn't ended and it won't end. You know, you're a, here, your earthly body will always be in pain. And so to hear to hear you say that speaks so much more volume, you know, to encourage us that this is temporary. And like you said, we we probably will lose some things from it um, and come out different, but to cling to the good things and what he's done. And I think of, and I just want to share as we close, um, there's a verse from or Streams in the Desert is one of my favorites. And January 9th is always my favorite. It talks about how he was watching a, a butterfly come out of a cocoon, you know, and it was just killing him because this butterfly was struggling and he tried to help it, you know, by cutting it free, you know, and it killed the butterfly um, right. because that struggle, that pushing out of the cocoon is what strengthens his wings and does all the things that need to be done for him to survive. Right. And so the butterfly died and he said, you know, I thought of it often. He thinks about it all the time afterwards. His false tenderness had proved its ruin. I have thought of it often, watching that with pitiful eyes, those who are struggling with sorrow, suffering, and distress, and I would fain cut short the discipline and give deliverance. And so to those listening now, I mean, this is hard and we are all sacrificing things and not having the, the luxuries that we're used to. But, you know, kind of like this butterfly, it is gonna produce something. And it comes out of the scripture, Romans eight eighteen. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I loved how you said that earlier. You know, you are clinging to your, one day you will be healed, you know? And this suffering and this, we are a vapor, you know, it is so short here. Um, and God is using it for his glory. You know, who knows who you're touching here on earth and the lives that have been impacted by your witness, you know, walking through this. Um, so, and, pe- and people will be watching us. How, mm-hmm. how, how does my um, uh, friend or neighbor um, who trusts mm-hmm. in Christ handle this? How are they handling this? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're observing how we handle it. And uh, mm-hmm. I love it. Say, like you, I think it was from around this verse, 2 Corinthians 4. So, and this is one I cling to with my body being broken. So we do not lose heart. This is 2 Corinthians mm-hmm. four sixteen. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And my inner self has been renewed day by day after, mm-hmm. um, you know, 20 years of, of dealing with this. I've seen that. Mm-hmm. You're, you're being renewed in, inwardly. Yes. Even in, even in an illness. And that cannot be, never be taken away from you. Never you know? taken away from you. Yeah. yeah. We, can, we will all lose our physical strength and ability, and um, that can be taken in an instant. But you're right. We can constantly be renewing ourselves. Well, thank you, Robinson. I think that is the perfect way to end and close and encourage everyone that suffer, you know, through Christ, you know, or with him you know, and lean into him in this time and see the ways that he is gonna 
I, yeah, refine you. It's like that pearl comes out of what irritation, you know, and mm-hmm. hard. You know, we don't get a pearl and a beautiful life from an easy life. You know, it, the most mm-hmm. beautiful, and that's why you are. You are so radiant of Christ. Um, but I think it's because you've suffered a lot and you've you've been refined by Him. Um, so thank you. Um, Robinson does so much work for us and is editing and constantly doing our audio for every podcast we put out. And so. We wanted our audience to A, get to know your heart, but also I think you can encourage like no one else um, because you have walked this for many years. And so thank you. I'm, I'm encouraged and I feel more um, ready to tackle these next couple months of unknown um, with perseverance and, and grit, um, but mostly thankfulness to the Lord for what he's given. So thank you, Robinson. Thanks, Christy. So no, Robinson usually isn't on the um, interview side. He's usually in the backgrounds, but I'm so grateful that he sat down with us today to share his story because our entire world has been impacted by COVID-19. We've all felt the effects of the virus. Although some have had great devastation, losing family members, losing their business, their job, their insurance of a meal. But even, even those that haven't lost such great magnitude, we've all lost something. We've all lost um, our freedom, our routine, our ability to go to work or to school. And so I want you all to have listened to Robinson and be able to grieve that, grieve what you've lost, you know, even if it seems small in the great scheme of things. Um, Grieve what you've lost, but then embrace what God wants to do through that loss. Um, I had to do that um, every deployment, every move, every time I've said goodbye to something, the big, the small, even adding babies to our family, you know, they all, even good change brings loss. And so I want you to embrace that and to not feel guilty if you're feeling overwhelmed, Um, but to grieve that, accept it, but then move into what God wants to do through that loss. Because like Robin said, said, he will refine us and use those things to grow us closer to him and to be able to be more grateful and thankful. So I hope you are encouraged and challenged by our conversation and able to choose God and be a light um, to those around you. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.